0: It's uh, it's true that few things in life appear more mundane than a uh, gathered Sunday morning worship service. If you're an outsider looking in, you're wondering what is going on here, and yet we gather every week. We gather, we worship, because we believe that God is at work in and through the motions of our weekly service, according to His grace. He's at work. As we renew covenant with our Father, He transforms us, is what we believe. He makes us more like His Son through the power of His Spirit. We're gathered, we're cleansed in Him, we're spoken to, we're fed at His table. And we end our journey each week with God giving us a mission. He sends us out in His blessing, a people bearing His name. Having transformed us, God now uses us to transform the world week in and week out. This Advent season, we've examined uh, praying with one voice in our service. Uh, last week, we examined our tithes and offerings in our service. And for this third Sunday in Advent, we're going to meditate for a few moments on God's gracious commission and his benediction to us week in and week out. And so we invite at this time, come, Lord Jesus. Will you pray with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we prepare this Advent season for your son's final coming, prepare us now to receive him here in the preaching of his word. By your grace, transform us into his image, that we might depart in his peace to prepare room for him throughout the entire world. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, each role in life, we have many roles, don't we? Each role in life comes with varied and vital responsibilities. Now, as the church, Christ's body, temple, which is given for the life of the world, we are enlisted in service to a king, which comes with a lot of different roles, a lot of different responsibilities. Now, to list them exhaustively would take too long. So let me just read from Peter's imagery of the church's call. He says this, reminding the people of Jesus. He says, but you are a chosen race, a a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you might proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received Mercy. The different roles of this call upon God's people are varied and vital. We belong to him. We've been bought by the blood of Jesus. He can ask of us whatever he will. We are a holy nation spread throughout the world, set aside to worship and call people to worship. We are a kingdom of priests. We are a priesthood of kings. We are chosen prophets, commissioned to proclaim Christ's word with our lips and with our lives. We are a people, a people of light, a people washed in mercy, a people on mission, a people blessed. So we ought to recognize quickly that this call is is something more than mere right belief or understanding. It's certainly not less than that. People of sound theology is what we are called to be. Jesus himself speaks God's word, constantly correcting poor theology. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you've heard it said, but I say to you, he wants right thinking, right theology, doesn't he? On the road to Emmaus after his resurrection, what does he do with those travelers he's walking with? He he begins with Moses and all the prophets. He interpreted all of scriptures regarding the things concerning himself. So orthodoxy. Right or true teaching is vital. But our life in Christ is no less than apprenticing with Christ. Apprentices of God. Pure theology indeed, but so much more. Orthodoxy or right teaching must be followed. Accompanied with orthopraxy. Right living. Right practice. We're baptized into. We who believe in Christ, we are given a mission. We are given Jesus's mission one image one role is that we are a commissioned people before Jesus ascended to give that command that we have before Jesus ascended what does he do he gives that command that we hear every week go therefore right that command go therefore make disciples of all nations baptizing teaching all right I'm guessing many of you are reciting those words In your head. Why do we do it every week? Because many of you are reciting those words in your head. These are vital words that give us a call to our day-in and day-out lives. Old Testament imagery, how does it picture followers of, of God there? Mostly it's shepherds, isn't it? Right? You have shepherds leading God's people. And then you have Jesus arrive, coming in the flesh. He is the good shepherd, the good shepherd and what's he command? Does he command them to be good shepherds of others? Well, that's implied, right? But what's his command? Be fishers. Be fishers of men, he says. He commands his disciples to dive headlong in to the sea of Gentiles, to the, the, the waters of the nations. His calling of Peter, James, and John, and all the rest to become New Testament Jonas. To be like Peter when he pursues the resurrected Christ on the shore and he dives headlong into the See, we are on mission, is his call, his command. And what does this fishing look like? He, he says it to make disciples, to make students, to make follow, fellow imitators, to make disciples. Maybe the word, it's an old word, but still gets used some. To make apprentices, to be apprentices. We're apprentices. Maybe that gets a little closer. So, the mission that Jesus gives us is to make disciples of all nations, wherever we are, whenever we're there, to whomever we're with. Now, that looks different in a lot of ways, doesn't it? We're to be able to make a defense of our faith. Some people are gifted with words and can make a defense of our faith, apologetics. As Paul writes to the followers of Jesus, he says, always be prepared, always be prepared to make a defense. To anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. So this Advent season, it's a great opportunity to talk with those at, at different meals, at table, and be asking, what reasons do we have for the hope in Jesus Christ? How can we communicate these reasons? How can we communicate this hope to those who lack this hope, to those who have grown cold to this hope? How can we give a defense? And when we think about making disciples, this is often what we think of. Make a defense. Give a defense. We have hope. It's a sure hope. Why? What is this hope? How do we communicate it? But more than using our mere words, there's also a matter of showing a still more excellent way when Paul writes to the Corinthians, and these are people that are good with words and and language and and displays of spiritual gifts. He says what? And all that, yes, that's good, but he says what? I I will show you a more excellent way. I will show you. I will walk with you. I will display for you what life in Christ and in his spirit looks like. And one thing he encourages in the body of Christ is just hospitality at the Lord's table. You're not being hospitable. Examine yourselves. So it's a command to be hospitable. If you're not familiar with the the author Rosaria Butterfield, I encourage you to become familiar with her and hear her testimony. Someone who is very antagonistic towards Christians, very against Christ and the things of Christ. And yet she comes to know Christ. And, And how? How was she convinced that Jesus is who he says he is? Through the supper plate, through a shared cup, through hundreds of meals together with an older pastor and his wife, walking alongside of her patiently, allowing her to grumble and to groan. Couldn't that be true for many of us? Maybe we're not good, eloquent with words. Maybe we don't have reasons, logic. But yet, can we not host people? Can we not have people in and share the love of Christ through meal, a warm, welcoming home, a generous table, to apprentice ourselves, to apprentice others. It requires a holy hospitality, but also recognize that all of life is, it's a hospitality to the world, even in our vocations. You're familiar with that Franciscan statement now, uh, share the gospel and use words if you have to, right? We're familiar with it. It's Maybe an overstatement in some ways, but maybe not. All of life is a matter of being a disciple and making disciples. Our work is given to us by God. It is part of our calling, our very and vital roles in this life through which Christ's life and his love is exemplified. It is lived out, whether at home, at the office, at school, at play, in service to others. Paul would exhort us to desire the higher spiritual gifts and to do so in love in the context of his community. Now, this commission to make disciples of all nations, it's for all of Jesus' followers. It's it's certainly for those involved in missions to our missionaries. We think and pray for Rick and Betty Ashman in Ecuador as they're here amongst us for a few months. Chuck and Nancy Larson and many others who travel with them to Haiti over the years. Nathan Lefebvre, Eurobrass in Germany and here in the U.S., Matthew and Kathy Groves on college campus. The collage center here in Kearney and in Grand Isle. We know these missions, these missionaries are set aside for the work of making disciples. But yet Jesus' commission is not only for them. He calls all followers to become his disciples and to make disciples. The poet Gerard Manley Hopkins tries to capture it this way, that all are called to make disciples. This way, he says this, he says, I say more, the just man justices, keeps grace, that keeps all his goings, graces, acts in God's eye, what is God's eye, what in God's eye he is. Christ. For Christ plays in ten thousand places, lovely in limbs, lovely in eyes not his, to the Father, to the features of men's. See, Christ plays in 10,000 places because in those 10,000 places, we become Christ to the world. No, we are not the Messiah, but we represent Christ to the world in our faces, in our limbs, in our eyes that are not Christ's. We become Christ through the eyes of faith. See, apprentices of Christ make disciples of Christ by apprenticing in Christ. To be Christ to future disciples. That read and sounded a little less complex earlier when I was rehearsing this. But I'll try again. (laughs) Apprentices to Christ make disciples of Christ by uh, apprenticing in Christ. See, to heed Christ's great commission is, is to go out into the world courageously and fearlessly as Christ to the world. The bread of life to a hungry world. And if we're honest, it's a bit daunting. Isn't that call a bit daunting? But isn't it inspiring as well? See, we all know what it is in different seasons of life, whether it's because we're worn out, stressed out, overworked, or whether we're just in this tired, bored, humdrum season. There's times where we feel this purposelessness in life, an aimlessness in life, and we're well-versed in it. But let us remember, we are called by Jesus to a great mission. We are commissioned into service. So let's go, right? Christ plays in and through us. Let's continue on. And it is an overwhelming call, but against it, we're not paralyzed By the scope of it, we're simply called to be an apprentice of Jesus. We're simply called to play our part in our place. As varied instruments compose a beautiful orchestra. As as varied textures and shades create priceless paintings. Woven together, we become the tapestry of Christ and his commission. We are called to play our part on mission in Christ And beyond that, we don't labor by ourselves. We labor with our brothers and sisters. We are co-missioned. We work together in our various tasks, responsibilities, obligations, talents. But not only do we labor with one another, but we are co-missioned in Christ as well. He labors with us. He labors on our behalf. We are a co-missioned people. So every time, every Sunday, when you hear those words, you depart, not in your own authority, not in your own confidence, but with the words of Jesus ringing in your ear where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. All authority. No greater surety of success can be granted that our labor is not in vain. The risen Christ calls, he equips, he empowers And he alone bears fruit. And that in large part is why we end our service. So that we depart in his peace. With his call upon our lives. Reminding us that the work is done in him. Apprentices in Christ. Apprenticing others in Christ. And we are inspired to this work. This commission. We are inspired to it with God's benediction. Benediction. Bene means good. Diction. Word. We go out. We depart in the good word of our God. And this is the thing. From wilderness wanderers to tabernacle servants to temple worshipers to first century Christians to hermits to public servants to reformers and peasants alike, all have received God's good word, his benediction constantly throughout their lives. So we conclude each Sunday, each gathered worship, we conclude may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you be gracious to you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. Now, it's more than kind words to comfort or strong words to encourage. There is import here. There is good imparted. When God When God commands this blessing from the high priest Aaron's lips back in Numbers, God describes the priestly work this way. He gives the words for the the benediction. Then he says this, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. The benediction is a putting of God's name upon God's people as a blessing for them. Perhaps that's what Paul has in mind when, when he exhorts us to put on Christ, Are we putting on the triune God? When Paul greets in every one of his letters, grace and peace to you in Christ. To bless is to clothe another in God's name. Why would we take it for granted? Why would we withhold this? Now, we do give blessings often. A lot of us do. Whatever the original motivation is, whenever someone say, sneezes, We can say it together. We say? Yeah. Now, that's a pretty generic or general blessing, right? Anybody can say that. But this is a part of our society, part of our world. It's one of the few spaces where blessing seems appropriate, right? Even the movies pick up on this. Star Wars fans, the force be with you. And also with you. Okay, maybe they don't say it quite exactly the same. God's benediction. His good word is his name upon his people now this ironic blessing has the lord's name three times a precursor of the triune name being spelled out in the commission of jesus where he says in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit what is the priest calling upon god to do in this blessing he's calling upon god to look upon his people to give attention as a small child momentarily fears the absence of his beloved uh, father or mother when they play peekaboo, So it was throughout Israel. They rightly feared God's face turned from them. Whenever they lived as if God did not exist, he would turn his face from them. When the living God turns his face, his people, tremble but this blessing is a placing of God's name upon his people turn your face towards your people your name is upon them these are yours the invitation then is to keep watch to keep hold of to hold fast steadfast love and his intimate presence true it was true in the glory cloud it was true in the pillar of fire that watching that holding fast It took hold firm on our created order as Jesus Christ took on flesh. He now dwells with us through his Holy Spirit. He now dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. And the blessing offers peace, doesn't it? The benediction. We're going out now from our service in the peace that is ours in Jesus Christ. Remember, peace, it's not a lack of conflict, is it? but rather it's a reordering of the world in the way it ought to be. We live yet in a world of chaos and brokenness, and yet the foundation of peace in Jesus Christ, yet we still stand upon that. As we depart and walk step by step, we walk in his peace. Now, much more could be said about this specific benediction, the promises of God for his people as they're held out week in, And week out as the blessing is placed upon the people. And they receive his blessing. Namely, they receive God himself. It's good and right to give blessing. We see it with uh, Boaz when he greets his harvesters in the book of Ruth. He says, the Lord be with you. They respond, the Lord bless you. So the psalmist wrote blessing upon blessing which were sung in the congregation. Jesus himself raises his hands to bless before he ascends. The blessing is promised to all who hear, who read, who keep the word of God in the book of Revelation. Even at table, we together, as the elements are being passed, what do we share with one another? The Lord be with you and also with you. The peace of Christ be with you. The peace of Christ be with you. you. So how does this benediction, this good work, function in the life of our church each and every week? It's a fitting end, isn't it? It's a fitting end to what we've been doing this morning and every morning. Through the power of the Spirit, through the priestly mediation of Christ. See, the Father has, has called us to Himself. He has cleansed us of our sin. He has then made us in Christ to ascend to the heavenly places. And in the heavenly places, he speaks to us through his word. Having received his word, then we give ourselves back to him through our offering. It's our tribute to him. And then he feeds us at his table. And in that, he enlists us into his service. He commissions us to serve him out in the world. He equips us then with his good word, his benediction, where his name is upon our lives, where it's a reminder we belong to him. So what does that mean for us? It means that we're servants of the risen and reigning King Jesus, that he is patient and he is kind. He loves even our slowest of transformations and our oft wayward efforts. He delights to call us brother, to call us sister. He delights to equip and empower us into his service. See, he is the one who corrects and rebukes us in order that we might become more and more like him. He is the one who strengthens us in joy, who sends us forth in in, in his peace, who weeps over the broken world and yet rejoices in its transformation. See, we are enlisted in the great mission of King Jesus to make disciples, to be disciples, to be as Christ to all that we encounter. So the thing is, it takes eyes of faith to behold Christ in and through these words given. So the thing is, before we depart each and every Sunday as Pastor Dave or Pastor Chad here stands up, I have to get on the first step because I'm a little shorter As we stand there, just with eyes of faith, behold the roof of this building being lifted off and the the walls begin to dissolve. And it takes eyes of faith to behold not a balding, soft-around-the-edges Pastor Chad, not a gloriously-bearded Pastor David, but to behold Christ himself. And to hear not a raspy today voice of Pastor Chad or Pastor Dave, but to hear the majestic voice of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords calling you, commissioning you, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Behold, I am with you always. It takes eyes of faith then to see, with raised arms outstretched, a Jesus willing to embrace the whole world riddled with sin because he beholds a transformation, not only in our lives, but of the whole world. Having just sent us out, he gives us his good word. He gives us his good word that we are blessed in him the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our name, is upon, His name is upon us. And we go forth in His power and in His peace that He is with us. And as we are sent out each week in the blessing of our triune God, we labor on, resting assured that Jesus, one day, will return. And He will give us that final and everlasting benediction for all who are in christ where we will hear him say well done my good and faithful servant enter into the joy of my rest amen heavenly father we are grateful that you commission us that you call us not only to yourself but into your service equip us empower us to serve you faithfully all of our days And we're thankful, Father, that you give us your good word through Jesus Christ in the power of your Spirit, that we might not go out empty-handed into a world like this, but to go out in the peace and the power of your risen and reigning Son. Would you bless us now that we might be Christ, a transforming power in his grace to the rest of the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.